0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hey, you've reached Coach Lundy with 4th Down Focus. We're on episode three today. I have a very special guest, Coach Garrett McLaughlin from Bates College. Uh, I'm going to have him talk to you about some other projects he does that I, I find very interesting. It's actually how we met. Um, how you doing, Coach?
1: Doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on.
0: It's a pleasure, man. The pleasure is all mine. I'd like you to share with our audience, we have a, a really neat, uh, diverse bunch. You know, we've got parents, of course, of uh, athletes that are aspiring to play at your level, uh, a bunch of high school specialists that, that have goals, uh, and they want to hear from people like you as far as expectations and what they could and should be doing right now in order to be the most marketable. So uh, before we get into the content, I'd like you to touch on a little bit of your career as a coach. Uh, You've been around quite a bit, and you've done some great things. I also want to talk to you about your project where I met you. If you could go ahead.
1: Um, I actually was a guy who didn't play in college. Um, I was fortunate. I got into my dream school, which was Syracuse University. grew up rooting for the football, basketball program there, all this stuff. Always, always dreamed about going there. Um, I was a decent high school football player, um, and I figured, hey, I can, I can go walk on. I've seen Rudy. It, it works, right? Um, <laughs> I was not up to snuff to be a walk-on um, at the Power 5 level there, but they said, hey, you seem passionate. Um, we'll let you be an equipment guy. So started there. Um, eventually worked my way up into recruiting. Uh, video operations, and then was actually a student assistant coach for my last year and a half. was fortunate after that um, to go on to, to Buffalo State, where I served as a defensive backs coach, University in New Haven, where I was an inside linebackers coach, Wagner College, um, where I was an outside linebackers coach. And now transitioning to, to Bates, my first two years here, I was a running backs coach as well as special teams coordinator. I just took over, swapped the running backs for the D-line for my third year here. Um, so that's a little bit of, of my coaching background. Um, and besides that, I also run a Twitter account, uh, Teams Talk. The the app for that is talk underscore teams. Um, it's a thing where, and kind of brainstorm with my head coach, who, who's, who's been awesome and has pushed me out to to do stuff like this, where, first of all, in, in our league at Bates, we don't have spring football. We don't have on-the-road recruiting. So I was in the mindset of, well, what can I do to kind of Um, you know, just improve myself as a coach, and and where can I kind of serve the coaching community as well? You know, I think every other position in football, um, including specialists, have like little Twitter accounts that serve them. Offense has schematic ones, defense has schematic ones, but for special teams as a whole holistic deal, really didn't have um you know any real social media presence or something where if, if a coach wanted to learn more about it or if a player wanted to learn about specific techniques and stuff like that could follow so i just started it um just kind of on a lark uh, about a year and a half ago um really yeah just about 18 months ago now and it, it's been kind of cool to see it grow and you know especially with the the quarantine you know, it's really taken off because I had a bunch of free time. A bunch of other coaches had a bunch of free time. Wanted to learn. Wanted to get better. So, you know, started doing uh, a lot, a lot more. Had a lot of guys on. Um, you know, put out drills and do full clinics and stuff like that. Um, and was fortunate enough to to meet you, Coach Lundy, through that. Um, and it's 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 been really neat to be able to connect with so many so many good coaches who who have made me a lot better as a coach. Um, you know, throughout this quarantine. Uh, the other thing that I did want to talk about is one thing that I've developed um, through that with Coach Jeff Reinbold, who has about a 40-year career, is currently the special teams coordinator with the Hamilton Tire Cats, you know, has worked in just about every league and level um, in college football. We, we created a special team certification. So specifically geared towards high school and college coaches who wanted to see a holistic, special teams model, um, you know, talking about specialist technique, but also, you know, organization, analytics, um, schematics of every unit on special teams. And, again, if you head to the, over to the Twitter account, talk underscore teams, or go to teamstalkcert.com, you can learn more about that. But but did want to plug that real quick. You know, pretty excited about that. We're close in the next week or two with being able to roll that out fully. So, um, you know, trying to find ways to, to stay busy and, and get better during this, and that's kind of what we've done with the Twitter account there.
0: Yeah, I've checked out the site. It's it's quite an extensive curriculum. I also like how there's evaluations. Uh, there's ultimately a final exam. It's like a summative, if you will. Uh, it's, it's, it's excellent stuff. Um, anyone out there that's a special team's mind, not just strictly a specialist, please go check it out. It's fantastic. Uh, I will say, you know, that this has been a tough year, but I've been very fortunate that uh, – like most, we've had to find alternative ways to network and, and just to, to occupy our time and stay productive. And I found you by chance on Twitter. Um, I want to talk about Twitter a little bit with a college football coach like yourself. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are still uh, aware that this is, in fact, probably the most efficient way to market yourself as an athlete coming out of high school, uh, to communicate directly with a coach that might be of interest to you. Could you explain a little bit about what it is as far as the rules, the parameters of the NCAA, and um, why it's it's permissible to uh, engage with an athlete?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Twitter is invaluable as a college football coach. Um, you know, not just here at Bates, but everywhere that I've been, it's been a really important part of the, the recruiting tool because we can reach out directly to student athletes that we want to recruit, and you as a student athlete can reach out directly to us um you know we're fully able to do that through the direct messages so that makes it so much simpler and um you know rather than you needing to find the coach's number or go you know meet with them in person same for us it's rather than us having to find um your number or something like that we can go directly on twitter um to you know, be able to find you instead of going through a coach or going through somebody else. It's far easier to directly connect with people. Um, For us, it's being able to establish initial communication, but it's important for us from an information standpoint, you know, shoot, I go out there every time before I call a recruit, I scroll his Twitter, um, just so I can see what new offers he has, if you know, he set any PRs in the weight room or he, you know, just hit the longest field goal of his career in practice or whatever else. Um, You know, I always go through that or before I bring a kid up in a staff meeting um, to offer or not. Like, it's so important just from the information standpoint, gathering standpoint for us, um, you know, in our recruiting process. And it's where we put out most of our recruiting content as well. So, and again, that's true, of you know, most of the, the college football programs I know of. So, you know, for you to be able to gain information, but also put information out there that you want the college coaches to have, you know, it's a, it's a really important deal.
0: Yeah. I mean, speaking from the specialist community um, exclusively, but I imagine it's like this in all realms. I think that kids don't value Twitter enough. I think it's a platform, like you mentioned, it's free. um, You're accessible. Every coach in the country is accessible. Um, The onus is just on the athlete to put out the right product. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. You mentioned a lot of the positives that people can and are currently doing, like posting like a big rep or posting some training film or last week's highlights. But could you also touch on a few things, um, maybe not the obvious, but a few things that also stand out to you as something that may be an alarm Uh, as far as their activity or or what their feed looks like? Because you did say one of the first things you do when you want to inquire about an athlete is just check out their Twitter account. Could you also tell me a little bit about that? You don't have to give specifics, but I think it's important to give some general feedback to these kids that may in fact be doing certain things that could hurt their chances to appeal to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly there are a lot of things that will make you pause. Um, You know, certainly anything bigoted or racist, anything that has any type of violence, anything that um, you know, is derogatory towards women, um, especially, you know, all those things that would be, you know, looked down upon in our program or, you know, in our college community at large are all, all things that, that will scare us will scare us away from you. Um, you know, I think kind of maybe the, the things that you don't think about as much though, you know, we don't love kids who are begging for offers um who are you know really putting themselves out there in in a way that in a way that's obnoxious or, or anything like that like be genuinely yourself and also don't come off as desperate you should highlight the best things about yourself make sure again if you set a pr on the bench put that up there if you hit a six yard field goal in practice you know put that up there um, but I guess posting every single piece of, of mail that you get or, or something about every coach that DMs you or gives you a phone call, like that's not necessarily, that's just something that I'm like, eh, I, don't, I don't love to see necessarily. Will it ding us from recruiting you? Probably not, but it kind of gives me a bad taste in my mouth.
0: Oh, I like I like the authenticity. I think people appreciate that response because these are the kind of things that aren't aren't discussed very often, you know. Um, but the truth, you know, although it may hurt a little bit, um, it it's definitely uh, it can be used as a catalyst in the right direction for sure. Um, that being said, you know, I I really like your mindset as far as you know. When I first met you, I could tell that there was a a an interest, a genuine interest in betterment of Uh, how do I make my kicker and punter and snapper better during this time as well? Um, We've talked several times and that's, what's led us to this, but I thought it was neat. And I I think it's, it's good to share um, your thoughts on the value of specialists and, you know, your coaching philosophy ultimately when you do in fact have them on campus.
1: Yeah. I mean, the value of specialists, especially the special teams coordinator is tremendous. I mean, you know, those are the quarterbacks of the units that, you know, you're rolling out there, whether it's field goal kickoff or punt. Um, so, you know, it can't, be, it can't be understated. I mean, if you want good special teams, you have, you have good specialists and you have good returners, <laughs> you know. Um, so being able to, to get those guys is really, really important, you know, and I don't think that can be understated. Um, in terms of my philosophy with coaching them, I really approach our specialists, you know, no different than I would approach coaching any other position. Um, you know, in fact, I think, you know, your specialists need to be amongst, if not the most mentally tough guys, you know, in your program. And I tell, again, I coach the D line as well as, you know, our special team. So I tell our D line, they have to be the physically toughest guys on the team and our kickers that they have to be the most mentally tough guys on the team. And again, like, I think the analogy to a quarterback really holds up when you talk about a mentality standpoint too, because. Just like the quarterback, when a kicker or punter is on the field, he's the only guy that's getting looked at, right? And somebody else might mess up, but if that guy misses the kick or the, the punter shanks it, it's all going to be on him. And, and honestly, similarly, if a kicker hits a kick, like he's going to get all the praise, just like a quarterback would. He'll get, he'll get more of the praise, even though the, the snap and the hold and the block are important, but he's going to have all eyes on him regardless, which is why there's such a premium on the mental toughness aspect for those guys. Cause they have to be able to deal with the the lows as well as the highs of that position. And so, you know, I really pushed them that way. I, I try to get in their head. Um, you know, they ultimately always know that I'm I'm there with them, but during practice reps, I'll be in their ear chirping a little bit. Like I want them to feel uncomfortable. I want to make practice as uncomfortable as possible. So once a games comes and they they feel that it's not the first time they're feeling that pressure. Additionally, like, you know, I want to make them as much a part of, you know, whatever position group I'm coaching before the running backs. Now it's the D line, Um, you know, because I think it's important for them to be integrated as part of the team. Uh, I've been a part of a lot of situations where, you know, that wasn't really the case. You know, kickers and punters were just over there on their own and everybody else was kind of working. I I, I didn't like that. Um, Any chance I get, to kind of combine the two meetings um, or Indy or anything like that. I'll I'll kind of give you an example. Like during quarantine, um, I would meet via Zoom with our specialists and our defensive linemen. For example, the specialist would meet with me at five and then at 545, I'd meet with the D lineman and the specialist at the same time, even though there's not a whole lot of crossover between the technique and the rest of the stuff that we were talking about. Like, I found I had a question of the day for them, which would be, you know, something silly, like if you could be one animal, what would you be? Or something a little more serious, like, hey, what do you want to do with your career? Um, But just to get to know all those guys, and so those guys got to know each other, and then after that, we would have our D-line meeting. Right now, when we're doing indie again, those groups are split for indie. but in the middle of it, I do bag drills, I do core, I do glute work, All the stuff that both positions will need, but so they get the sense of being a team together, um, working together towards that common goal um, and feeling integrated with with everything that we're doing as a program. Because, you know, just like anything else, I I think the more they feel a part of it, the more important it's going to be to them and the the harder they're going to work and, you know, the better they're ultimately going to perform. So that stuff is all all very important to me. and That's kind of my specialist philosophy.
0: I think it's interesting, um, as the level increases from high school to college, and then hopefully some of these guys get to play on Sundays, uh, I find that, and I want your opinion, that the stress and the emphasis placed on this and the time spent and, and the consideration of, yes, these guys could win or lose a game for me, it's actually taken into consideration. I think at the high school level, there's often a disservice done to specialists that they feel undervalued and underappreciated, um, and it's evident in the utilization of these specialists. A lot of these guys don't get a lot of game reps aside from extra points and maybe some kickoffs. And uh, of course, we have to punt in football, but th- you know the, the field goal is often neglected because there's not enough time spent in practice on it. And I, I I'm I'm so grateful that there are guys like you in the college ranks and professional ranks that. Um, it's oftentimes one of the most stressed things that are going on because although it may not be 80% of the practice, the 10 or 15 or 20% that is in fact spent on that third of the game, um, there's a lot of sets of eyes on it and it's done purposefully and it's done with film and there's reflection after practice, maybe the next day on this. And there's a plan moving forward. So I'm, I'm really grateful for guys like you. And I think it's come a long way since I played 20 years ago with, uh, with that mentality, that philosophy uh, in special teams. I want to talk a little bit. You mentioned practice. Uh, a lot of these high school kids, uh, I'm just going to share with you, and I'm, I'm sure you're well aware, um, in my opinion, and I, I think you'll agree, are overworked. Uh, and I think it's it's not anyone's fault but their own. Um, I think that uh, it's with good intention. I think that a lot of kickers and punters and snappers that Mm -hmm. only do those things feel that, well, if offense and defense has a 20-period practice that's scripted up, I need to find a way to stay busy during that same amount of time, and I don't I don't dislike that thought. However, I do think that we're, uh, we can overwork ourselves during that two hours or two hours and fifteen minutes on the field. I wanted to see if you could share how you monitor reps, perhaps, or um, how you can just shut it down for a kid if he seems like he's fatigued. Is, is there any of that in place, and could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a tough thing in terms of. I guess I'll answer the, the last part of yours first. Just you know, knowing when to shut a guy down because of fatigue, I think a lot of it comes from having a, a level of trust w- with your specialist um, and having a, a good relationship. And, and I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the reason I went back to, like, you know, I talked about, like, the question of the day and stuff, like getting to know them. You know, I think the more that that player trusts you as a coach, the, the more open that communication will be. And as a coach, you need to earn that trust and you also need to ask the right questions. Because I don't, I think any, like, true athlete and competitor isn't going to be like, ah, coach, this is, this is kind of hurting. I don't know. Can I, can I shut it down? Like, you know, again, he has to trust you to, to, that he won't get ripped and benched right away by saying that. And I think as a coach, part of the art of it is knowing how to ask the right questions so you can find it out. And, you know, being willing to do that even though he might be a little bit upset with it. Um, you know, for myself, I mean, I'm in a constant state of evaluation for what I want to have our guys doing. I think that's another part of the communication piece is seeing where our guys feel the most comfortable after they're doing, you know, what, and then also being able to find out from, you know, guys like yourself, um, you know, what the, the best plan of action is, but kind of like I mentioned before, um, we have a lot of things to get them activated early on in practice, um, you know, they'll do their kicks on air and their um, field goals and things like that leading into doing the team reps, just like any other position would have individual um, prior to going into a team rep. And then after that, it's a, it's a lot of cords, a lot of glutes. Um, it's a lot of catching. I, I have our, our punters in particular getting on the jugs and making sure that their hands are getting better. And, you know, obviously that's something that won't be stressing their legs either and then a lot of stretching Um, big 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 into into yoga and obviously flexibility being important with those guys I sent them a bunch of videos for, for over quarantine and they've really taken that but especially you know being able to do that out in the practice field you know whether it's 20 or 25 minutes and just get that in and get their bodies right and like you said have them so they're as consistent as explosive athletes as they can be on a Saturday.
0: I love what you mentioned. I think there's several good points. I think that the kicks on air, which some people may not know some, some kids call it dry reps, you know, taking the ball away of folks, body mechanics. I like the, the, the stretching. Uh, I like the water breaks, you know, just taking that five minutes where you're maybe off your feet for a second. Hydration is important, especially down where I'm, I know you're in Maine, but it's still equally as important. You still lose water as you, as you exercise. Um, I think all of these things, and then the last thing you mentioned that I like too, as far as things I consider supplementary, is is the jugs. And I know in high school we don't always have the opportunity to, uh, or have the access to a jugs machine, but we all we we very well could use a partner and play catch and do bad ball scenario where it's like a knuckle ball mm-hmm. or it's it's uh you know it's you got to adjust to go get to it or or you got to jump and go react to it. Um, I think all of those things you mentioned are perfect ways. Uh, to spread out a practice I think I think what I'm seeing and hearing a lot from high school coaches and players is it's kicking it's 20 to 30 kickoffs a day when you reflect on the day it's it's probably 40 or 50 field goals at varying angles and distances and oftentimes these distances based on Twitter feedback these kids are working out from 60 more than they work out from 42 or 37 right hash. And I think that's absurd. Um, something I'd like to tell, actually, I'd like to ask you right now because it's, it's almost, there's an, there's an overabundance of posts that I'm seeing from 60 and there's an, there's, there's, there's not much at all of a sample size of a kid that just has four or five unedited reps between 37 and 45. Could you talk about, why they, that may be a problem.
1: And I think, and even before that, just one point that I wanted to make that kind of hopped in my brain is you were saying that is, I think that's why it's so important, um, you know, whether your coach is doing it for your specialist or you're the specialist kind of creating, you know, your practice plan is to do just that, have a practice plan, put it in writing. Um, because it's super easy to lose track of it, right? You, you might set out like, oh, you know, I'll just hit a few kickoffs and you end up with 30. And you look back like, oh, I really... I did too much there. Or like you said, you end up going back to 60 and hitting a ton because you don't have the prescribed reps of, okay, I'm hitting five extra points. And I'm hitting one off the hash, you know, going back from the 25 or, or however you want to structure it up. I think it's important to, again, have that organization plan it out all that stuff. Um, but in terms of the valuation portion, um, you know, I think you're right. Like in the sixty. You know yard field goal that that'll catch your eyes as, as a coach, but you know, truth be told, um, you know, the consistency is so much more important than that for my evaluation and, and talking to other guys um, for their evaluations as well. And having, like you said, the camera shot with it just continuously kicking, maybe you fast forward it in between the kicks so we can see what your true consistency is because. For me, like you said, that long field goal will catch my eye, but you know, I ain't trusting that you can do that consistently unless I see it. It's the same thing, like highlight videos are are all right, you know, from the games and they're always something that I want to see. But I think kind of the missing piece right now from an evaluation standpoint, um, for especially your twenty twenty kick responders is not having the live in person camps. You know, it's always it's always invaluable for me to see guys live because you see that level of consistency failing that like you said coach take a video where you just you press play and then you know you hit 10 straight field goals and start at the 25 or start with a 25 yard field goal and then work it back and maybe fast forward in between reps but you know show us that you're going 10 in a row with that or 9 out of 10 Um, and show us that you can consistently have the right footwork and come through with great form Um, you know, and all the the rest of the things that we're looking for because, you know, what I value more than anything else is that consistency piece. And, you know, in terms of the evaluation portion, you know, we're fortunate we aren't really looking for a kicker for this year for 2020. But, um, you know, we would be in a a difficult spot right now because I want to be able to see that consistency, which is hard to see off video. So, you know, make it as easy as possible for for the guys who are evaluating you by doing that. you know, constant filming.
0: Yeah, that's great feedback. I think these this needs to be heard because these kids, you know, I I I like what you said. It it it's an attention grabber, most certainly is. Um, however, if a kid's timeline is full of, I would say his last five posts were all fifty five plus, but there was one rep taken. I think you as a coach, your first thought is, how many reps did he take before he felt that one was good enough to in fact post exactly uh the eye in the sky doesn't lie but it very well could when you edit out everything else it was done poorly you know so i wanted to move on to we talked the other day about being creative with uh limited resources and what, what part of our discussion was was uh you know, uh, space and practice. I know a lot of high schools and some smaller colleges. You know, their their expectation is that everyone is operating on one field in an assigned area. And then during team periods, you know, a half the field is used for two big units. But the reality is this: uh, in that scenario, it's almost never conducive for a specialist to have the space to punt, to kick off, or even have some field goals going on, even short ones. So, I wanted to talk about. Uh, maybe utilizing some low stress, non-contact drills like the no-step and one steps. Uh, maybe have you talk about you know is there a softball outfield we can get some space just to do you know some some small area focused drill work. And the last thing I wanted to touch on before turning over to you is I think that the utilization of cell phones you know can be very purposeful um, because oftentimes we've got one or two guys with cameras out in the field at practice, if that, and um, it's really helpful for specialists to see what they're doing at all times, especially if there's that one rep that they just felt completely comfortable with. I, I want them to see that rep and try to recreate that rep. And the only way they're going to do that is through seeing it, reviewing it and uh, just really breaking it down from beginning to end. Could you expound on maybe being creative? Uh, you know, you're at a smaller school and I think you, you've you had to be, to be competitive. Could you just talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, First and foremost, it, it comes with being organized um, and understanding what's going on during that point of practice um, and what type of field space you have. So for us on our practice plans, we have as part of it exactly where every team drill is going to be and you know if we're moving the ball up and down the field and anything else. So I craft the plan for our specialists right on the same page. So, you know, if everybody else is going to be using the whole rest of the field. That's when our specialists will be getting their core work in. That's when they'll be doing their stretching. Maybe they'll be on the side of the field with the jugs. When we know that we'll have half the field, that's when we're getting our punts. That's when we're getting our kicks. That's when we're getting our kickoffs and stuff like that. And there's definitely, you know, our specialists got to keep their head on a swivel because every once in a while a drill changes location and they got to pick the balls up and be ready to move. But, you know, having that level of organization of actually, first of all, you know, knowing where all of your offensive and defensive drills are going to be and then putting your specialists in around them, um, you know, I think it is really invaluable for that. You know, worst comes to worst, we're fortunate. We have a pretty big grass field right next to our field um, where those guys can, can go and get and work. But you're right, um, at Buffalo State, actually, it's funny you brought up the softball field. You know, there's a softball field right next to it. You know, our, our guys would sometimes get out there. Um, and use that but the most part you know we're always able to to be creative and find extra space if we need to but I think you'll find that as you organize your practice plans there'll generally be enough time for you to get the full field work in as long as you can structure it in terms of where your your people are and um, in terms of the filming portion you know we only have you know, the one guy in the, in the press box on the sideline, the one in the end zone. So, what I've done is basically once we get somebody injured, then they're our indie film guy. Um, and we'll use phones. Actually, iPads are the best if you have access to an iPad. But again, like everybody will be spaced out during the indie period for offense and defense. So, we'll have that guy film, you know, in, in this case now, our defensive lines indie during that time. And then once we flip it over, they'll essentially go over and they'll be the indie filmer for the specialists. So we're able to get all those reps, um, that stuff, even though I can't be coaching those guys in the moment that we'll end up watching um, the next day. Um, and then that also lets me know how many reps they're getting versus what was prescribed on the practice plan too. I can make sure that they're under kicking, they're over kicking. Um, you know that's my actual way to be able to quality control those guys as well to make sure they're they're getting the amount of work in and then when I watch it that's when we have the opportunity to communicate hey did you feel like you got enough work today did you feel like it was too much how can we adjust things going forward to make sure you're in a a space to to be as successful as possible Um, so you know that's the way that that we work at our place anyway and it, it seemed to have worked pretty well for us so far.
0: You know, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. I, I'm for, I'm really close to the Florida Gators uh, practice facilities, you know, hour and a half. And I go over there probably twice a year just to see how things are done well. I mean, you know, that they're an SEC program. And it sounds like that you guys are filming the same amount that they are as far as where the attention is in fact on the specialist and I think that the one thing that we could all probably supplement that with is the specialist I know there's got to be a level of trust there but I think in college there is that the cell phone use would be entirely on the filming of individual periods you know when there's 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 no one looking at us you know maybe the punter can, can film me on kickoff, then I can film his punts while he's teamed up with the long snapper. And then we can give the long snapper some undivided attention, one of us, while the other one's stretching or getting water. So, you know, it's it's, it's got to be creative. I think the creative wins in anything and everything, right?
1: Ideally, I think, though, not to cut you off there, is you you use an, an injured guy um, for two reasons. If you don't have a team manager or anything like that. First of all, I think it, it goes back to the point of making sure these guys are integrated and feeling like football players like I don't think you'd have any other football player wearing pads on during a practice filming like I would never ask a defensive lineman who's practicing to, to film Indy and then get in and, and get a drill sometimes you, know, you it's what you have to do but I try to avoid that and the other case is you know if you have a guy who's injured just being able to them integrated as part of the team and this is kind of going off the the specialist part but you know i I always try to find little jobs for those guys because i think you know they slip into a a bad place sometimes if they can't feel like they're helping the team win games and are contributing so you know being able to find little jobs like that for your guys who are are hurt um gives them a role and at least helps them feel a part of it while they're not doing certainly what they would want to do um you know if it's if it's a you know there's some guys who are lazy and would just rather you know grab ass on the side but I think you'll find for the most part you know 95 percent of your guys especially the guys that that you want on your team you know will be happy and will be appreciative of having the opportunity to do something like that they will help your team so I'm always in favor of finding somebody who's hurt who can help you out that way.
0: I can relate to that you know I had a a really bad injury that was recurring on my adductor put me out for a year and a half at Miami and They found little places to put me in, you know, whether it was like an onside or just surprise, like little like pooch kicks and stuff that were, were, you know, I was limited in how hard I could hit the ball. But on my recovery, I was able to give looks. Uh, I can give one example is we played Washington and the kid took a really indirect path to the ball and he he either left his hips open or closed them out really quickly at the point of contact. And I, I practiced that um, because he didn't hit it far. He hit it really high and short. Um, and that was part of my recovery uh, with the approval of the training staff, but I felt involved because I was in a dark place. I I knew I wasn't going to get in the field and I didn't feel like I was contributing. And I think that was a big help. So I'm glad you said that. Um, and I hope someone hears that and says, you know, I do have a guy right now on the sidelines that could probably be a wonderful assistant in some way. I wanted to transition uh, to a fourth down mentality. I, uh, I want to briefly share that I, I got to, He on Nick Saban's staff for his first year at Tuscaloosa for kicking camp, he was trying to find a punter. Uh, We brought in a bunch of guys to be evaluated on both sides, but he really was looking for a punter. And one thing he said to my specialist that day before we got started, I, I will never forget and I use it often, is he said, I treat my kickers, punters, and snappers like assassins because they all get one shot. And I, I, I know that you can agree with that because I've heard you speak on this very subject and it may be different words, but could you explain, I'm going to give you a scenario. We're in a game, offense is driving. We are in need of a field goal to win this game. We're getting close, but we're near, near midfield. You know uh, it's first down. Do you go through these hypotheticals with your kicker and say, Hey, when is the last time you should probably go kick into the net? Where should you be on third down ready for our call on fourth? Could you explain that a little bit? Like what what fourth down mentality means to you and how it's relatable to that scenario?
1: Yeah, fourth down mentality for for me, and it's in particular to communicate to, you know, those other guys other than our specialists, right? Because they they live for the fourth down. But the fourth down mentality for those guys is, all right, if you're on offense or you're on defense – How are you going to approach that fourth down? It's a really critical play, right? So your offense goes out. You're a wide receiver. You're making sure your gloves are extra tight. You get in a great stance. You have great attention to detail. You're going to break that route off at the perfect point there, right? And you're going to have a lot of energy, and you're going to celebrate if you make a big play and get a first down, as you rightfully should. Fourth down mentality that way is applying it to every fourth down or every kicking play Um, because, obviously – Typically, as your name would suggest they, they typically take place on fourth downs um so and really three things go into that I'm a big power of three guy so you know believing that people memorize things and remember things in threes better so it's maniacal effort detail energy and that's what we want to play with when we are in the kicking game you know I, th- I think that stuff all kind of speaks for itself we go pretty far with it You know, when we go into the field, the the official signal for for fourth down is a raised fist, right? So when we go out into the field as a special teams unit, whether it's punt return or kickoff or whatever, we have a a fist raised up. And then when I say, okay, what's our fourth down mentality? I raise my fist, pick a finger off, and they say maniacal effort, two, detail, three, energy. Um, So, you know, that was just my way of communicating how critical um, our jobs are as, as special teams player, again, whether you're a specialist or you're a gunner or you're trying to block a punt or you're, you know, our bullet on kickoff, you know, whatever you do, you know, your job is super, super important to us being able to be successful and end up with more points than the opposing team, which is what we're trying to do uh, ultimately. In terms of running through those scenarios with our specialists, I'll be very honest with you. That's something that I haven't done before. It's something that I've heard a lot this offseason and I'm going to start doing with our guys. So they have more of an opportunity to visualize and, and be successful with it. But, you know, to, to be honest with you, like that's been a big part of, of my off season. You know, as I sat back, you know, and tried to evaluate myself after the season, I honestly didn't know enough about specialists. So it's been a big part to, to be able to, to learn a lot more about Different ways to be able to communicate with those guys, and different ways to be able to, you know, help them be successful. And I think that's a that's a big part of it, um, the visualization part. But to be honest with you, that's not something that I've done before. But but looking forward to, to jumping into more stuff like
0: that. Yeah, I don't expect you or any coach in the country to, because I was a kicker and I didn't have a particular routine. Um, I was I was constantly kicking in the net. You know, I just what I did um, to make me feel like I was staying warm or whatever it was. But I think it's very important to control what you can control and to, and to have process, you know? And um, I learned this over the years and most, yes. probably like most recently was the last few, I've really stressed this, that these kids, and you've seen enough Twitter and all this we've mentioned, uh, these kids can make the kick. But I think we started to show out by saying that there's such a mental part to this that there's a lot of subconscious thinking that occurs especially in a stressful situation and and the result is is you're you're not as good (laughs) in, in in crunch time sometimes and i think it's because we're not uh aware of the subconscious enough and what i mean by that is you know are you breathing are you cutting your air off when you're out there are you entering the field from the same place every time like i mentioned earlier are you getting the, the last few kicks in the net at the same point in the drive each time, there should be some consistency there because if there's not, there's uncertainty, you know? So um, I'd love to talk and I'm sure we will about these things later, but I, I, there's just so much there that to still be discovered and mastered and perfected, if you will. And I think that's why I like to do what I do is I learn from you and I try and give you what I know. And I think it's very complimentary. Um, I just want to, Thank you so much for your time today. Mm-hmm. If you could just please remind the audience a couple ways that they could get a hold of you. I know you mentioned early in the show, but just uh, just one more time for the audience.
1: So my personal Twitter handle is um, at underscore coach G underscore. So that's one more time at underscore coach G underscore. And then my special teams one is teams talk, which is at talk underscore teams.
0: Thank you so much for everyone tuning in today. That was our third episode of the 4th Down Focus podcast. I really want to thank Coach McLaughlin for sharing his knowledge today. Hope you guys have a wonderful week and I'll see you real soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.